Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike. Mike Zlatnik. Today it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome back my very good friend, Rob Levy. Hi, Rob. Mike, how are you? Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Rob is with LBX Investments. Um, They specialize in uh, retail, various open door retail, shopping plazas and such. Uh, Rob has extensive experience in multifamily and other asset classes, but kind of the way I've known you for the last however many years is that it's always been some some kind of a shopping plaza. So what's going on in the world of um, retail nowadays? What's what's happening? Well, I mean, certainly interesting times. Um, I guess probably interesting times in other asset classes as well. Uh, but, you know, specifically on retail, um, you know, the uh, the supply demand dynamics in retail are uh, continue to be very interesting. Um, with the increase in inflation and construction costs, we're seeing almost no new development. Uh, although, to, honestly, we haven't really seen any new development in retail for the really the past 12, 13, 14 years since the since the start of the of the global financial crisis. Uh, and at the same time, you know, there continues to be good demand. Uh, so, you know, we're still seeing strong numbers coming out of the best retailers like, you know, Walmart, Home Depot, um, et cetera. So, you know, we're seeing income growth. Uh, we're seeing inflation. Uh, and at the same time, so, you know, demand side is strong. And at the same time, we're not seeing any new construction. So from a supply-demand perspective, we feel very good about the position of good retail. I mean, obviously, there's good retail and bad, bad retail like any other asset class, but we feel really good about the position of good retail and strong demographic markets. And then at the same time, what we're seeing, as I think you know, we're seeing in all, uh, all kind of real estate markets today, there's a lack of liquidity. Uh, you know, b- uh, borrowing is tough. And, uh, and so... Uh, we view this as opportunity. It feels to us as if values are moving in our direction, uh, yields are moving in our direction. You know, on, on new purchases, on acquisitions, and so there's a real opportunity to step into that void and and create value for us and our investors. Yeah, that's a great point. So high interest rates have created, I guess, liquidity and uh, debt service coverage ratio pressures on uh, on buyers. So. It's harder as a buyer. You you want to get a better deal. You, you almost have to get a better deal, otherwise you can't transact. So, Correct. Uh, you have a deal coming up that we've uh, talked about. We're looking to uh, potentially write a check in the deal, and that deal um, it 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 retraded. You basically got a substantial discount over the last two months. Can you talk a little bit about that deal and the the type of discount that you're able to obtain? Um, Within two months. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's really kind of a perfect example of, of what I just noted and, and kind of a really great uh, picture on the market. So we're, we're under contract to acquire a property just outside of Philadelphia, uh, actually on the New Jersey side called Deptford, New Jersey. Uh, 
it's a you know kind of blue collar middle class community great density good incomes um and uh it certainly was not a target market for us but when we were introduced to the real estate being sold by a large institutional investor who is selling the property because they're in a bit of a disagreement with their with their current uh, uh partners on the transaction so they're selling um and we originally put the property under contract uh, for a little over $43 million. You know, with the movements in the capital markets, um, we have we went back to the seller um, and renegotiated the purchase price to um, $39.75 million. So almost about, about a $3.5 million reduction in purchase price, about 8.5% reduction. Um, it's a great piece of real estate. You know, Deptford is a strong regional retail market. It draws from uh, a you know good regional area. Uh, again, great incomes, great visibility. You know, all the things that you'd want in a in a very solid piece of retail. It has good co-tenancy. It has a Hobby Lobby, which does fantastic. It has a, a Burlington, which does about ten million a year in sales. Uh, a Ross that does about eight million in sales. So good, strong co-tenancy. The current owner has put a ton of money into the center, new roofs, new facade, uh, new parking lot, new lighting, um, yeah, new landscaping. So it's in, it's in fantastic shape. And with all of that, because of where the capital markets are and because of our adjustment of purchase price, we're buying this at well north of a 9% cap rate. And uh, we're going to stabilize pretty quickly because we already have, you know, even in... Uh, under contract, we have uh, LOIs going back and forth on some of the vacancy. We're going to end up at north of a ten percent uh, kind of cap rate, uh, you know, initial yield or or you know yield on this property, uh, unlevered yield on this property in very short order. And we love that. We think we're buying a great piece of real estate at an inflated yield. Uh, certainly, our cost of debt went up, which was one of the reasons why we adjusted purchase price. But that's okay, right? We're still underwriting to north of a 20% return to our investors with great cash flow, cash flow uh, annualized on, a, on an average basis of about 9% to our investors starting day one. And, um, you know, it's a five-year loan, fixed rate. So we took that risk out of it. And, and we'll see, you know, over the next five years, if there's an opportunity to refinance, we have some prepayment flexibility. Um, and reduce our rate. So we, we think we're at, you know, the basis is just over $100 a foot. We're buying this basically at land value. So it's just, it's a great play. And it, it really does talk a lot about what's going on in the capital markets in general today and the retail markets today. Yeah, thank you for the great commentary. I love the last point that you're buying uh, real estate for the price of land. I guess land in that area is pretty valuable. So. Um, what in this particular property is there an out parcel strategy uh, or I'm not, I'm not again I'm off the top of my head I don't know but in the past you usually develop and sell out parcels is that something that you're thinking to do on this on this one yes so there there are two out parcels uh, there's an olive garden and a uh, red lobster both uh, restaurants do extremely well you know kind of you know top in their in their regions and sales. Um, and they've been at the center for many, many years. And so we do feel, you know, we're, we're buying the center, as I said, north of a nine and stabilizing north of a 10 cap rate. 
And we think we can sell those at, you know, kind of in the high fives, low sixes cap rate. So great arbitrage opportunity, which we'll certainly take advantage of and, uh, and return uh, capital to our investors when, when, as we do that. Um, you know, back to your comment about land value. Yes, you know, this property has, I think, around 40 acres. So we're buying it for just under a million dollars an acre. Um, this is right off a number of, you know, kind of main arteries, you know, thoroughfares and the land, the raw land in this market is, you know, you could look at the comps are going for north of a million dollars an acre. So um, we do, again, you know, kind of like that basis. Yeah, that's a great point. That, that just means if something happens to shopping, people stop shopping, you can do something else with this land. You can almost almost liquidate for the cost of the land. But uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, people going back to shopping um, after the pandemic. Um, a lot of folks got used to ordering online and getting deliveries and avoiding the trip to a crowded shopping center. Uh, is that stay-home trend kind of broke? People got, got tired of sitting at home and they want to come out. They actually want to go places. And that's what it feels like, that uh, shop from home experience is as attractive as it was initially at some point of time people are social animals we need to interact with other people we need to go places and and shopping uh has always been kind of like an experience people just enjoy going shopping yeah well first of all, i want to be clear uh, when we talk about basis and land value in no way are we saying that as a defensive measure in case retail goes away. We, we don't believe that at all. We, we, we view, our, we're buying, in our view, we're buying the best center with the top you know, one or two centers in a strong sub-market. And we believe that that retail has significant long-term value as a retail property. We're not buying anything that we believe is going away from a retail perspective. And and our history in owning retail is, you know, at least in over the periods that we have owned this, has proven that. Like our, our occupancies are strong, uh, our rental rates are being pushed higher. Uh, we have we have great demand for our space and velocity uh, in our in our leasing. So in no way do we see that um, occurring. And 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 so onto your point about you know your question around are people coming back to the centers are. Our statistics on our portfolio and the statistics in the markets are that, yes, sales are strong. You know, retailers are doing well, um, that there, that, uh, there is a, a significant amount of, um, of energy and, uh, you know, and traffic at, at these types of properties. You know, as with any type of property, there are, there's good retail and there's bad retail. There, you know, the, the, some of the enclosed malls are struggling for various reasons. Um, ours, we don't own enclosed malls. We own um, open air centers, strong markets with good visibility, easy to easy access, ingress and egress, uh, good demographics. You can and you can enter and exit easily. You can park in front of the store you want to go to. That's the type of, of retail that is performing well, and and certainly we have seen a, a you know really meaningful uptick. Uh, since the end of COVID, and and we 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 believe that's going to continue. And again, from a supply demand perspective, there's no retail being built. So you know, if you look at our property, the property we were just talking about in Deptford that we're on a contract on, 
uh, there's been no new retail that has been developed in that market for many, many years. And at the same time, you're seeing incomes grow, you're seeing population growth. Um, and so, you know, from that perspective, also, we feel if you own the right retail, uh, you'll, you know, do very well. Yeah, I appreciate that color. And, and uh, I didn't mean to imply that retail is going away, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but your explanation makes sense. The fundamentals of supply and demand um, continue to provide, um, I guess, downside protection as, as, as rents continue to go up. Um, right. So let's talk a little bit about rents. Uh, uh, most of these shopping clauses, including this one, uh, have rent escalation clauses. Um, is it the traditional three, four percent a year on most of the leases? Uh, are they triple net leases? Uh, just, just curious how this this particular one is structured. Yeah, everything is triple net. Um, you, you know, they're they're. Tenants always ask for some sort of, you know, they're asked for caps or whatever, you know, something that will limit their triple nets. But that 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 does not happen a lot. Most of almost all of our tenants and including in this center, but throughout our portfolio are triple net tenants. That's just kind of that's just market. The typical escalations are two to three percent a year. So, you know, what's great about our asset class is that we as owners, as long as we own good real estate and, and we have high occupancy, we are protected from inflation from that perspective because all of the uh, costs, real estate taxes, common area maintenance, lighting, you know, insurance, all of that gets passed through to our tenants. They're the ones that are taking bearing that risk. Of the increases and 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 so that is we think you know really uh you know kind of protective for owners of retail especially the better retail that is you know kind of highly occupied um as far as rents go yes we are we are seeing pressure on rents we, you know just like any other you know kind of inflationary environment when there's no when there's an increase in demand and, and no supply uh, we still think feel that in our portfolio, certainly, you know, the the negotiating leverage sits with the landlord. There are retailers who who want to and have to expand. They you know they are public companies. They've told their public shareholders they're expanding. They're opening X number of stores a year, and we know that they're you know that they they want to be in the better real estate. In fact, uh, at Deptford, a property in, in South Jersey outside of Philly, they we are. You know, under contract and in negotiations right now with a 12,000 square foot national retailer who wants to take one of the uh, few remaining open spots within the center. Um, and they have, you know, significant growth plans. So, you know, this is a retailer that wants to and needs to, uh, to expand. Um, the other thing I'll add, uh, just going back to kind of the, the risk around e-commerce for a minute. Um, because it is such an interesting subject, you know, what, what we are finding is if you look at the statistics, just, you know, kind of Google around and look at the publicly traded pure e-commerce, uh, e-commerce companies. So Amazon is obviously a, a prime example, but, you know, Wayfair is another one. There are, there are a few out there. The, the, if you look at their financial statements, not a single one of them, including Amazon, by the way, is profitable. Um, as an e-commerce e-commerce company, Amazon makes their money in their in their web services and in the cloud. They do not make money as an e-commerce company. You can you can see it in their income statement. Um, Wayfair is, is another you know great example. They are they are you know very they are um, 
not not profitable at all. And and so what we're finding is the the better e-commerce companies are moving towards bricks and mortar because it is a better way to deliver product to their to their customers. It's a better way to deal with returns and stuff like that. So that's why you know look at Amazon, right? They're opening up supermarkets. They bought Whole Foods. Uh, they're they're experimenting in a bunch of different ways because they want to get closer to their customers. Um, you know, Warby Parker is another example of what was a pure e-commerce company with in the eyeglass area. Now they're opening up stores for obvious reasons, the same reasons. So our view is that the better uh, retailers are the ones that are going to combine e-commerce and a brick and mortar stat- strategy and put them together to really service their <clears throat> their customers properly. Yeah, that's very cool that Amazon is moving into brick and mortar almost um, um, almost as a need to uh, to have that less mile uh, footprint. Uh, that's right. Yeah, it, it, it's been the trend. You're absolutely right. The number of pure e-commerce retailers um, just uh, choose to have a, a presence. So it's, a, it's an integration of the website, integration of the mobile mm-hmm. app, and then a physical uh, platform. Uh, so, what happens uh, in this environment when you um, when you're buying a plaza like this? I guess you go through the uh, lease portfolio and identify the opportunities to increase rents, especially if it's pressure for a similar uh, for a similar product. Is this particular property have fair market rents, or there's a lot of upside? On renewal of these leases, and but these are long-term leases, so it's it's not like a it's going to happen overnight, right? So it's a mix, right? There's <clears throat> there's some vacancy, um, as, as I've noted, um, and as I said, we're under contract, we're not even closed yet, and we have LOIs going back and forth on eighteen thousand square feet of space. We have one of the uh, is another larger. Uh, tenant that is what uh, a lease was negotiated by the seller and that space is being filled and opened shortly. We have two existing tenants that have just negotiated expansions of their space. So um, into, into the space next to them. And, and then we have a, a dental office coming in as well. So if all of that falls into place, we're going to basically have one vacancy on the entire uh, center before, you know, like right around the time that we close. Um, and and we didn't pay for for that, right? We we paid for the the income that was in place. Um, some of these are already the in the tenant allowances, the leasing commissions are being paid for by the seller, not by us. And some of it will be paid for by us. Some of the newer stuff, but it's a it's a great situation, right? We have a very vibrant market where there's great demand for the space, and and before we even close, we're going to have filled a bunch of the uh, bunch of the vacancies. Yeah, that's great to hear. Uh, are you concerned at all about upcoming recession? Well, we're sort of in in some kind of a um, some people already called recession. Uh, we're definitely hitting the slowdown. Um, the, the Fed action has been pretty steep, and these these rising interest rates are hurting, uh, beginning to hurt, or they, they've already been hurting uh, consumers and, and businesses and. Um, we expect to see substantial layoffs and they're already happening. So how do you think that that's going to happen? Because it's almost impossible to fight inflation without getting unemployment up. I mean, this is, this is pretty basic stuff. 
and and uh, uh, so that's all. That's the only way uh, today. So I don't know how deep that that whole um, problem will go, but it'll 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 be good amount of months before we can we can call it uh, inflation fight under control and and start reversing the, the interest rates. So until it happens, it's going to be a whole bunch more layoffs. So what, what do you think about retail in the upcoming slowdown? Yeah. So first of all, I agree with you. I, I, I think that the idea of this you know, soft landing, I think, is very, very difficult for the Fed to, uh, you know, to successfully uh, accomplish. I just feel like, as you said, what they're trying to do is create unemployment. That's the only way they're going to slow down spending and inflation and uh, and salary, you know, uh, inflation and salaries, et cetera, is by slowing down uh, employment. And so I think this whole idea of a soft landing I th- is really, really difficult. And I think most likely we're, gonna, we're either, you know, just about entering a recession or about to enter a recession. So I agree with you. From our perspective, I think there's a, there's a few things here, some of it positive, some of it negative, not that you ever, you know, kind of wish for a downturn, but there are some, you know, there's some positives and negatives that will come out of it. On the negative side, obviously, it's going to put pressure on our retailers. Our current portfolio is, is you know, we're, we're basically operating at full occupancy, except for in certain instances where we are you know, kind of purposefully moving around some tenants and creating some vacancy by doing that. But basically, our, our, our portfolio is operating at, at close to full occupancy right now. Our goal has always been to own, as I mentioned before, the best, uh, the best centers in vibrant markets. And we feel even in the downturn that our tenants want to and need to be there. And if there's ever consolidation, that will be the beneficiary of consolidation uh, from worse centers, you know, less, uh, you know, centers that are not as well uh, situated as ours. But I, I, do I expect occupancy to go down, vacancy to go up during a recession? Sure, absolutely. There'll be still be some tenants that that will struggle. But if we're, you know, we're operating at kind of low to mid nineties right now in our portfolio. You know, we and we know as as you know, Mike, we're we're low leveraged borrowers. We are f- low leveraged fixed rate borrowers, so we have we have significant coverage on our debt. Um, usually, we're operating at well north of two times coverage, sometimes north of three times coverage on our debt. So we're very well protected on the downside. Uh, from a positive perspective, um, you know. What we're what we what we saw in the global financial crisis, and what I think we're going to again see today, if we go into recession, is that the beneficiaries from a retail perspective of a downturn are the discount-oriented retailers. That people trade down, right? When they're when they're either out of work or their salaries have been cut, or or they're nervous about about a recession, whatever it might be. Um, if the consumer is feeling that, uh, then they they trade down instead of shopping at a nicer store. They'll, they'll go to Walmart or Target or whatever. Those are the sto- those are the stores that we own, right? Those are the properties that we own. We own a bunch of Target shadow anchor centers. We own uh, centers with Marshalls and TJ Maxx's and Burlington's and Ross's and and you know more kind of mid level restaurants and um, and mid level uh, gyms. We don't own high-end centers. And in our centers, one of the things we look at when we buy them 
is to ensure that we're not buying centers that have very high rents. So our, our average rents are probably in the $15 to $18 per square foot range. So very, you know, kind of on the lower end and um, of, of the spectrum. And so even in a downturn, we, we think our tenants will actually outperform. And we think that we're kind of very well protected from a, from a rent perspective. And then also, you know, we think that's going to create opportunity, right? There are others, other out th- others out there in the markets who we think have overpaid for centers over the last few years. Maybe they put high leverage floating rate debt on their centers over the last few years. Um, and maybe they underwrote them improperly. And, and so we think that there's going to be some real opportunity that comes out of uh, a downturn as well from an acquisitions perspective. Yeah, great commentary, and uh, certainly love the fact that uh, consumers substitute to a higher affordability, to basically Walmart's or the of the world. Um, hasn't Walmart just announced earnings, and the earnings were pretty strong? A lot of consumers uh, have shifted their patterns, and they're going to Walmart versus wherever they were going before. If, uh, folks are become, becoming more price sensitive as uh, the pinch, inflation pinch is, is consuming larger part, uh, portion of the um, non-discretionary budget. So food, shelter, energy uh, are just consuming more and more of the paycheck. Yep. And, and the fact that you have uh, those discount retailers makes sense. I, I certainly love that, that point. Um, yeah, and then I guess on the opportunity side, so looking into 2023, uh, and I, well, one thing I have to say, you guys haven't transacted a lot, which which has been actually a great thing. You you must have been more careful, more selective. And from that perspective, you know we love investing with you because you're not looking for the volume; you're looking for the the few good deals. So, do you think you're going to get a few better deals uh, next year? You, you, uh, are the pressure from I guess maturing bridge paper or um, uh, you know, weaker centers that, that got the wrong tenants in during a recession going to create good opportunities. I know it's a forward-looking statement, difficult to, to foresee, but uh, are you expecting to see more, uh, I guess, better deals in, in 2023? Uh, we do, yeah. And thank you, you know, for your comments. We, we have been very, very careful. Uh, you know, we, we sometimes look at each other, you know, we have bought... Uh, at LBX, we uh, we bought uh, uh, fourteen centers over the past, call it four and a half years, and you know we've just missed a few. Uh, we 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 we've come in second or third, just you know a lot, many many times, and and that's just the name of the game for us. We are trying to be very disciplined. Obviously, we put our capital, our own capital, into every deal, and it's important to us, and we feel very strongly about our fiduciary responsibilities to our investors, and so. You know, we are very careful about uh, about putting properties under contract and and closing on them. Um, and so, like even like in the for over about a fifteen month period during COVID, we did not purchase a single property. So, um, you know, just we felt that we we just were not sure where the markets were going, and we we paused. And uh, last year we were a little bit more active, and and I mean this year in twenty twenty two, and and we do believe that twenty twenty three. There's going to be some really interesting opportunities. We have a, uh, a portfolio, a small portfolio of assets right now that we are working to put under contract. There's going to be some distressed sellers. There's going to be some, um, you know, some sellers that just have to uh, transact. 
There are many fewer buyers out there right now. The, the public REITs are out of the market. Most, uh, pretty much all of the public REITs are out of the market because their their stock prices have been beaten up and they don't have access to equity. Um, and a lot of the larger institutional investors who had become active uh, over the past couple of years in our space are no longer active. And so we do believe that there's many fewer buyers today than there were you know, six, nine, 12 months ago. You know, when, when the markets are really strong and liquid, that's not the best time for us. We're never going to be or rarely going to be kind of the high bidder in a, in a, in a, uh, in a transaction where there's you know, 10, 15, 20 bidders out there. The better opportunities for us are going to come from markets like today where there are just fewer bidders, it's dearth of capital, and we have an opportunity to really, you know, kind of dig in, find good real estate at, at very attractive yields. So this, th- this type of market suits us, you know, very well. Yeah, I love the contrarian approach. You're not a momentum buyer; you are more of an opportunistic buyer, and that's that's what we like to invest with you. From our, my perspective, we're capital allocators, and we want to invest with folks uh, who we know, like, and trust, and and, and folks who want the right, um, looking for better deals, better, better value, better bargains. And, and um, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting uh, just seeing emails back and forth between he from your team and Yuri from, from my team that, that the numbers actually improved from the original um, underwriting that you had a couple of months ago because you were able to get the concessions and the actual investor return seems to have gotten somewhat better, which is actually great to hear. Um, how would folks get a hold of you um, if they, they, they want to learn more about this deal or just in, you know, future deals? What's the best way to reach? Sure. So um, a few ways. Our, our website is lbxinvestments.com. Um, you can always uh, email me if anybody wants to you know, kind of email me direct at rob at lbxinvestments.com. Um, and uh, yeah, we'd love to talk. I mean, we have a we think a very interesting strategy. Um, you know, uh, our uh, the uh, our yields on our investments. Most of of the returns that we are producing for our investors are coming from cash flow. We love that play. You know, we, we're not dependent upon you know tight cap rates on the back end to to make our returns or you know massive growth in in revenues to get there. We are we're buying cash flow. At very attractive yields, and we we are fully integrated. We have a, we have you know all the infrastructure in place. Um, we have you know property management, asset management, leasing, construction, um, and everything in between. And so we feel very confident in our team and our platform to execute. Um, so yeah, if you have any questions, uh, please reach out to me, and, and um, I can put you in touch with the right people at LBX, and we'd love to talk to you about what we do and how we do it and, and any upcoming opportunities. Rob, thank you for sharing very much. I'm going to ask one more question because uh, I think it's, it's an important question. And um, uh, it always kind of uh, challenged me how the return is computed. Part of the return is cash flow and part of the return is appreciation or back end. I mean, this is the basics of the investing. So you cash and cash the average on this deal is around 9%, right? 9% average annual cash on cash. And I don't know if it goes up or down over time or this annual volatility, but let's just say about 9% of the total return comes in the form of cash flow. And then the IRR target is somewhere in the very high teens. 
right? 19, 20 in that range. Uh, so the rest must be appreciation, right? Well, so there's, as you said, average annual cash on cash of 9%. So let's say we know we're five-year hold, um, right? So it's about uh, about just under 50% of the of your principal should be, you know, uh, according to our underwriting and, uh, and our projections, should come back just through cash flow. As you mentioned, Mike, there there are uh, two out parcel opportunities where there's a real opportunity to return equity to our investors uh, through um, through out, those two out parcel sales, and we're buying it, you know, a nine and selling it, you know, a six, and that arbitrage is very attractive and creates great value for our investors. Um, and then, as I said, we're you know we're already leasing up space, right? Which is going to create value from a um, you know from a cash flow perspective, and then a value perspective on the back end. We're we're assuming, I think it's around an eight or an eight and a quarter cap rate on the back end. So I, we think a very conservative cap rate on the back end. Um, now we're buying at a nine, but you know remember um, that it, there uh, it, that's with. Uh, a bunch of vacancy, and there is some um, uh, uh, some other kind of pieces to the story that are kind of creating what we believe to be a bit of an elevated cap rate in relation to market. We think, you know, kind of historically, an eight and a quarter or so is very, very conservative. So um, it's kind of a mix of how you get to a twenty. About you know, probably about half of that is through cash flow, and then out parcels, and then growth in in rents. And growth in occupancy, and then just selling on the back end at a pretty conservative cap rate. So it doesn't take a ton to get there when you're starting off at a nine or a ten cap rate. Yeah, agreed, and and appreciate the color. I, I almost forgot about the out parcel sales, which returns capital. I mean, that, that, that's a critical piece, I guess, of the strategy to get investors capital back, and IRR really works uh, yep. uh, as a function of when the money comes back. So it makes a difference. Once again, I appreciate that clarification, which is really, really important for investors to understand, and you provided a very great color, so thank you. Thank you. All right, um, like many of these episodes, good news. Um, it's a, it was a great episode, the bad news time flies, and we can't <laughs> so uh, thank you, Rob. I'm looking forward to uh, having you back again soon, so thank you. Thank you, Mike, I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fun Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike's slot name. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.